0: Experts make things simple. Yes. Amateurs convolute everything. Hey folks, I'm your host, Hillman Sori, and I'm also the co-founder of Close Loop, G2 Crowd's only top five five five-star-rated sales training firm. Aggressive revenue targets, lagging pipeline, hiring folks who are ramping like snails, or maybe you've got frontline managers who just don't know how to coach performance. If any of these are the case. We should talk. Go to closedloop.com. That's C-L-O-Z-E-L-O-O-P.com and click on Let's Talk. Learn how we're solving B2B sales problems for hundreds of companies and why our client ratings are so doggone strong. That's www.closedloop.com. C-L-O-Z-E-L-O-O-P.com.
1: You're entering the winning zone. So I think the one thing that's been on my mind, especially this week with all the conversations that we're having, Ilman, is the the impediments to coaching, right? Just what is hindering good one-on-ones or good coaching conversations? Like, what do you see across the board as the number one impediment to Great coaching conversations.
0: That's a good question. So I think that if I could phrase it differently, I will say that great coaching conversations start with a clearly identified challenge. Because you know what happens otherwise? Otherwise, you're kind of beaten around the bush and it's unclear and it's nuanced and there are no outcomes associated with it, or even the identification of what we're talking about isn't really clear. Like I remember. I had this boss once, really, really nice guy. And I think I think he was too nice of a guy. I think that was the problem. What I mean by that is I think our relationship was kind of too close. Yeah. And he had a lot of respect for me. I had a lot of respect for him. And I think he found it difficult to coach me in saying, like, here's where I see that you are today. And here's where I'd like you to be. And here's how to get there. So what would happen instead is he'd be like, hey, Hillman, yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the way that event went last time and some things I'd like to see. And, like, we just kind of chat about it. And then yeah. like, I'd leave the office and I'd feel like, I know he wanted to convey something to me yeah. and he, it didn't really come out. And I'm sure he probably felt like, I don't know if Hillman really got what I need him to do. And I got back to my <laughs> office, like I had offices back then, right? I got back to my office and I was kind of like, well, I guess I'll try better. Like, you know what I mean? It, just, it was just this like, like blah. So then what happens is like, am I inspired to go to the next coaching conversation with him? Not so much other than just to like hang out. So I think that the lack of definition and clarity around the challenge is what leads to coaching relationships that don't have as much impact and can also, on the, on, so either on, on the, on the softest side, don't have as much impact. On the worst side, breed resentment around like, yeah. you're not doing what we said and there's miscommunication. It's just like point fingers and it's just bad, bad stuff. Yeah.
1: For sure. Well, well, I think something that, you said right there. So you're saying challenges and you talk yeah. like the point, the finger pointing, right? Hey, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. You need to be doing this. Right. There's so much that could go into it. And I'm sure the coaching well, coaching conversations you had with your old boss were a lot of, Hey, we're talking about this. And then we're going to go on a tangent here and Hey, what are you doing this weekend kind oh, of thing? Yeah. Right. Well, how no does one, what, what was that? <laughs> no structure. No. Yeah. Right. I, how, well then how great great word. How do we set structure and find the challenges or challenge that we need to have the conversation about? How does this actually happen?
0: So the first thing you need to do as a manager is is do not go out like half cocked, having right. having conversations. So first off, don't go out heated, right? I mean I was having a conversation with one of our clients just yesterday who was really upset about the execution on something is like I just want to talk to you about this before I have the conversation. I'm like, you got to take it way down before you go have this conversation. I'm like, way too much emotional investment in the outcome of this thing. Like, let's just get it back to a level before you're, you know, so that you're ready to have the conversation. Let's identify what the real issue is, apart from you being disappointed. Like, I'm disappointed. That's dad and mom conversation. That's not (laughs) I'm your coach conversation, right? Um, You can pull that card in some relationships, but like, that's not necessarily moving the needle on. I'm disappointed in you, Ned. Like, okay. Okay. But um, unless, you found, neuro- lie, unless like- you found that unless found that neural pathway where you know like that paternal or maternal thing is the trigger that you want to yeah, use, yeah, that's yeah. that's some deep stuff. I have daddy stuff. issues,
1: so that probably hey, works. A lot of us do.
0: <laughs> so yeah, anybody wants to coach Hillman? Say I'm disappointed in you, <laughs> and watch what I do. <laughs> just
1: put your hands on your hips and just slowly oh, shake God. your head. Dude. Like- <laughs> Jeez.
0: Don't even. I get like hives thinking about this thing, man. <laughs> Anyway, so so the onus is on the manager to really be circumspect and say, what is the challenge? And and there are only three types of challenges that you're going to be dealing with in coaching, right? You've got mindset challenges, and these just tie with a belief system, right? And we've got supportive and self-limiting beliefs that we deal with, or, or progressive beliefs, or restrictive beliefs, whatever term you want to use. But there are beliefs that are good, and there are beliefs that are bad. Let's call them that, Right? Um, example of a, a good belief is that, hey, let's let's just say this is about cold calling or something like that. Hey, cold calling is an easy way for me in my day from my desk to make a massive amount of outreach to people, test my messaging, and test how I'm having conversations with folks in hopes of converting people to top of funnel. Great, that's a supportive belief, right? It could be cold calling doesn't work anymore because everybody's on vacation and nobody's answering their phones and it's all cell phone numbers anyway, and my number's gonna come up blocked and like it's gonna be spam restricted and I don't even know why I'm doing this. That's obviously a self-limiting belief at, at the very yeah. least, right? Alright, so you've got that world of mindset, right? Then you've got this other world of activity, right? And activity is just like, are you doing the thing? You've got the belief. You understand that it's important to do, but are you are you making time for it? Are you getting to it? Are you doing it in the volume that's necessary for you to be successful, right? And that's a fairly easy coaching conversation to have because then you're just kind of making way to create time in the calendar using chunking or or you know consigning things off to other people, whatever it might be, to, to create some accountability for people to get that done. And then there's that final piece, which is skill set, right? And if you've investigated that someone's got a skill set deficit, you really have to ascertain is this a training opportunity or a coaching opportunity? If it's a skill set deficit based upon something that's been trained fairly recently, then you can hold them accountable to some micro implementation of that training so that you stair step them towards success. If it's just a gaping hole, where they don't even know that this is relevant or they don't even know how to do this thing, then it is completely unfair to coach someone on something that they haven't been trained to do. So if you look at this challenge universe with like, let's just take this client that I was talking to yesterday, really upset about the situation. We distill it down to why is the situation occurring and what is the thing that needs coaching? The thing that needed coaching was the person's mindset. The person just didn't believe that it was important to do this thing that had this executive really upset, right? So now you've got to have a conversation, a coaching conversation, relative to the importance of this thing for their job, for the team, for the company, for the number, and for the investors, right? Yeah. That makes it nice and tight. And then you're gonna come out of this, and, You know, we can talk about this in another conversation, but you come out of this with some specific activity that is gonna demonstrate rigor with respect to that accountability and that belief system. That's one way to go, right? If they don't have the belief, if they don't understand it, then you do that a little differently. But the whole idea to bubble this back up to your original question, the whole space where these things end up completely vacuous and these conversations are just empty is when a manager has not done the diligence of clearly specifying and understanding what is the challenge, what kind of challenge it is, and how then am I going to have the coaching conversation so I can really move the needle, not just throw a turd on somebody's front door and go, hey, look,
1: there it is. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Here's, you. Know? Here's the bad thing you're doing. Don't do it anymore. Well, okay, cool. Yeah, that's not right. going to work. Well, let me go one level deeper before we let you go, Homan. How do I actually uncover? That? I think the skill set and the activity, I think those pieces are fairly self explanatory. A skill set is like, well, I just hired Hillman out of college. Hillman just might not know how to have good tonality on phone calls, right? Yeah. Hillman may just not know right now. How to actually ask great discovery questions in you know, a conversation yet, right? So that there we go. And then the activity piece, it's like, hey, we've asked Hillman to do this. He's doing 50% of that, right? Let's have a conversation around that. Yeah. The mindset piece is, is always one for me that I get questions about when I'm having conversations with frontline managers about how do I go about uncovering that there is a negative mindset and it's not a skill set or an activity you thing. Just yep. You just said it. You just said it. There
0: are, there are only three things that are impacting any behavior. It's right. mindset, it's activity, or it's skill set. If I'm doing the activity and I know how to do it, but it's not happening effectively, it's a mindset issue. Got if it. I've got a strong mindset and I'm doing the activity, but it's poor, it's a skill set issue. You see what I'm saying? There, It's like a tri- Wow, it's like a triangle. Can you imagine oh, that no, Hillman no, talking no. about a triangle? <laughs> what
1: <laughs> dare you say?
0: Okay, we'll be right back in 60 seconds. So if you know me, you know that I'm a huge proponent of coaching. It's the highest impact, lowest cost way of positively driving individual salesperson performance quickly. Like in quarter, in month, huge leaps can be made through coaching. Problem is, there are tons of applications from call recording software to sales dashboards. They call themselves coaching. What they're really doing is just surfacing problems. And none of them help a manager to develop the plans, conversations and activities that are going to drive behavior change and tangible outcomes. That is until now. Coach CRM is the first platform for low friction, high impact sales coaching. I'm the co-founder and if you're a sales manager or a sales executive, trust me when I tell you it's worth a look. Go to CoachCRM.com, that's C-O-A-C-H-C-R-M.com to learn more. It's right. Man, no, that, the that's guys. the whole thing. No, that's, that's the beauty of it though. Is it's, it's not yeah. ever, it's never all of them. Yeah. And this is just basic, this is basic human behavior. This isn't like rocket yeah. science or even like Hillman science. It's like all ties to cognitive behavioral therapy and all kinds of other stuff. It's like, if you are doing, so this is, this is one of the things I was talking to a relative the other day and it's like, people act in their, in what they believe to be their best interest. Yeah. Humans are very predictable, right? So when someone is doing something, if you divorce yourself of how it's impacting you personally, and start thinking, "Well, Ned did that thing for a reason that supports something that Ned needed to achieve." Let me dig into what that is. Let's say, for example, um, let's let's say, for example, uh, you ask your your you ask somebody to write an email, okay and the email comes back to you and it's got like misspellings, it was done really quickly, it's like a little out of order, it doesn't include all the things that you typically have in your email. Now you're evaluating, now let's say this is a big enough issue, it's not like a one-off kind of thing, but it's a big enough issue that this needs some coaching because this is kind of a consistent thing, right? Yeah. So you're looking at this, does Ned know, I'm calling it, I'm saying that you did this, right? Does yeah. Ned know how to write an email? Yes, I have evidence of other emails that Ned's written that are fantastic. For some reason though, whenever he's, whenever I ask him to do this kind of thing, he just kind of falls apart on it. Okay, does he do the writing of the email or does it just not happen? Oh, he does it. He just does it half-ass. Okay, it's a mindset issue. What is the mindset? Well, let's see. Let me look at Ned's calendar. Oh, he's booked from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and I asked him to do this thing. I wonder if his mindset could be, I just got to get it done because I got to get to something else. This is less important than the other things. I wonder if it could be this, this, that, it could be five different things. I don't need to divine what it is. That's part of the coaching conversation, right? Yeah. So then I come to you and I go, so Ned, I want to have a chat about these emails that I keep asking you to write. And I want to help, I want you to help me understand. Did you notice that, you know, there's some misspellings here and that you had the wrong title for the person. And even in this email, you used the wrong company and the cut and paste. Help me understand what your thought process was, thought process was around putting this together. Won't happen in the middle of my day, but, oh, okay, so it's a timing thing. All right, so you do understand that these emails are for SOWs that are for closed business. What do you think the impression is when we send something that's got the, the person's wrong title, wrong name, and wrong company? Do you think this is somebody that they think they're going to be dealing with a detail-oriented organization? Do you think that's important? You, know, you just go through the question inquiry, and I'm shifting a mindset. And I'm going to create an outcome that's going to hold us mutually accountable for making sure you get back on track. Again, this is not rocket science. There's a framework to it. There's a system to it, right? Which is where people fall apart a little bit because it's like, well, how do I do that in this specific scenario? I'll tell you how, because it's formulaic, right? But that's where it's so interesting to me that folks will spend a ton of money on sales methodology. They'll spend a ton of money in understanding their sales system. And then they'll have frontline managers who have no investment and no support with respect to a methodology around coaching the team that's critical for revenue generation. That that defies explanation. That is a mindset challenge for the ages.
1: So, Hillman, we've been talking a lot about, and we've been talking with a lot of managers, uh, first-time managers specifically, and hearing a lot of- a yeah, Yeah, <laughs> just a lot of concern about, hey, what am I doing in the first 90 days, right? Everyone talks about the 30, 60, 90. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm curious from your point of view, just even having all of your expertise in in this area specifically, like, what is the one thing that you're consistently seeing uh, that first time managers are doing that are, I think probably the best word is like hindering their success and their team's success.
0: They're walking around holding a mirror. Tell me more, <laughs> like narcissist.
1: I do. I do that all the time. Like, I know you
0: do. You're not a first-time <laughs> manager though, so you're allowed. But um, and and one day we're gonna get to the point where you've got other people holding that mirror for you. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, here's what I mean by that. You know, I, I've 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 been a first-time manager. Obviously, I've also been a manager for the first time in a company. Meaning, like, you know, this is the 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 first role I've had in the organization. And and some of these things are the same. There are easy things that you can tick off the list, right? Don't go in and make changes immediately. Well, duh, like observe things, right? Don't go in and start, you know, trying to win. Well, duh, you know, kick back and see how things are done, right? This is, this is all fairly obvious stuff that you could say that that's not rocket science. Here's the thing that I've found to be most critical. You have to understand that your title is manager. You're a manager of people. Hmm. Your first 90 days, it is critical for you to get to understand your people and to develop credibility and rapport with your people or you won't be there on day 91. And here's what I mean by that. If you're going to impact metrics, if you're going to impact performance, if you're going to lead, if you're going to share a vision, if you're going to help someone get from where they are today to where they'd like to go in their career, you have to understand that someone. So what a lot of first-time managers do is they come in holding the mirror, going, how do I look? Am I doing the things that are going to validate that I deserve to get this job? Am I doing the things that are going to demonstrate to my boss that I'm working really hard? Am I doing the things that are going to get me to the next level and to the next gig? You know what? You can't do that. You got to take off the mirror and put the lens on the people who are in your charge and come to understand the archetypes of the individuals you're working with, what makes that person tick, why they're in that job, the things that they are challenged by both personally and professionally, the way that they're applying themselves to their work and how you can go about leveraging your resources and your expertise to help each individual, as an individual, not just as a collective team, but each individual to grow. Because you know what, here's the deal. You help your individuals grow as a manager, inherently, it takes care of everything else. Every metric you need to drive, and every goal that you have personally.
1: Yeah. I I, I love that answer and, and I think it 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 aligns really well, not surprisingly, with how Corey teaches the aspect of really dig into how your reps were coached in other aspects of their life. Right. Of if course. they played the a sport, right? Hey. And, and, it's and the I first love thing it. we
0: do when, when we're when we're working with a client, the first thing we do is like, hey, have you ever have you ever been on a team academically? you ever been you ever been coached in a sport? have you ever even just had a uh, 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 not just, but have you ever had a an art coach, music coach, a writing coach, anything like that? because here's the thing. those pathways are already well worn. I don't need to create a new neural pathway for you to understand how to respond to instruction and how to respond to the guidance that I'm giving you. I'm going to go down the one that you've used successfully in whatever your avocation, your hobby, your sport, or your other interest was. And I'm going to use that to trigger all those same connections to help you be successful in this role. It's a basic
1: of coaching. Absolutely. So so how does, if I'm a first-time manager, how do I get on this personal level with one of my reps, but I, I think also in that same vein, maintaining um, a, a rapport, but maintaining that hey, like I'm the manager, I'm probably going to come down hard on you if you don't do certain things. Yeah, I, I
0: don't, I don't think all that stuff needs to be said so much. I think that there's, I think that there is a little bit of a challenge when someone is moving from being an IC on the same team to becoming that's a
1: man yeah that's right and then you just
0: you that. just level set and and part of the onus is on the person who promoted you to make clear why the promotion occurred what the expectations are and how you're now supposed to to deal with one another and of course like you know, if that means that if, if that means on your team and the way you all interact that you're not doing happy hour after after work every day, then you need to not do happy hour after work every day. The work needs to come first in that respect. And that's something you need to take into consideration before you take the gig, right? You can't take it and then just be like, Wow, it's lonely. You're like, dang right, it's lonely. <laughs> that's called management. It only gets more and more lonely the higher up that mountain you go. There are only so many people who can climb, right? So here's the thing: the way you get to know your people is by sitting and listening to call recordings as much as you possibly can all day and all night, like you're grading papers, like you're a fifth grade teacher so that you can hear how. (laughs) Okay. I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) Well, it ain't in call recordings, Ned. It's in conversations, man. man. It's in having conversations with people. And here's the deal. What did you do as a salesperson to understand the motivation of your prospect? There's two words here. Ask questions, right? <laughs> ask yeah. good questions. You can stick, i yeah. allow you to stick, I'll even allow you to stick and ask great questions. Mm. Because yeah. the only way you're going to get this information is if somebody else is talking. And yeah. then you also have to demonstrate an, an observation of their behavior. Because there are a lot of things yeah. someone's going to yeah. say. Hey, Ned, what are your goals? Oh man, you know, I'd really like to be a CEO and this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's what's been said to me. Now I'm gonna see how does your behavior show up with respect to that? What are your personal habits? Like, I'm looking at the calendar. Hey, let's everybody make sure we get everything in the calendar just so I know I'm not pinging you during your workout time. I'm not you know, blowing you up on Slack while you're trying to meditate. Let's just get it all in there. You don't have to be hyper-specific on what you're doing personally, but like, let's just block out our day, the things that we do individually. I mean, this is what we do at Coach CRM, right? This is everybody on the team. We know exactly what everybody's doing when, and now I know when I look at my phone, regardless of what time zone, Ned's at the gym, right? Mm-hmm. I know, I know that, that Ryan's you know working on music. I know whatever it might be. I know when to intersect with folks and when not to, right? So you start to begin, begin to build the avatar of the person that you're talking to. And anywhere you've got gaps, just be a human. I mean, yeah. you got the job somehow. This is not rocket science where it's like, no, I'm manager. How do I go about figuring out these people? Like It ain't like that, man. <laughs> just start having conversations.
1: That's one thing I will mention that I think has been going around a lot is the overcomplication of the position, any position, like period. Like, I think there has been an overcomplication of what a manager is versus just, hey, you got this position and you can go be successful.
0: Yeah. Well, you know why? Why You know what it takes? You know what it takes to be simple? What's that? One word expertise
1: that i agree
0: experts make things simple yes amateurs convolute everything
1: i think it's necessarily so
0: i thanks for tuning into the winning zone every week i endeavor to bring you guests who are thought leaders and practitioners having an impact on the shape of leadership and innovative management today if you like these shows or find them useful you know what I'd appreciate it if you took a moment to give us five stars on iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening. It helps others discover the podcast and we all rise together. If you're curious about me, I'm the co-founder of Closed Loop, a global sales strategy training and enablement firm and the co-founder of Coach CRM, which is the first software platform for tracking coaching plans, activities, and outcomes that drive performance. You know what? I gotta get back to work. See you next week.